Hi, I'm Maria Thea Harris or Velosos, and today is So Over 50 Thursday. Now grab a cuppa and relax with us. So Organised Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome back to Sober 50 Thursday on Soul Organised Style Podcast. It was a personal thrill to have Sonetta Burwell on Sober 50 Thursday last year. And as February is Black History Month in the States, we're replaying Soul Over 50 Podcasts with Black Makers. Stay listening. Thanks for joining us on So Over 50 Thursday. Today's excitement is because our guest is someone that I and many of you have seen and heard from. It's Sonetta Burwell and she's given us a valuable time today. Let's give a warm welcome thank to Sonetta. Thank you, thank you. I am so happy and delighted to be here with you today. I've been sewing for half of forever and it's just great to be recognized. And I'm willing to share any information that I have about sewing or about how I go about my process. So thank you again for choosing me today. Oh, you're welcome, Sinetta. I'm really pleased that we can actually meet face to face after all these years of following each other. Me too. Me too. It's wonderful. Your Instagram handle, it's not the mahogany stylist. It it? is not. And you know, I thought about that. Maybe I should be consistent across all platforms, but I have a handle of my name, Sonetta Burwell, the same as on my Facebook account. And I'm pretty sure, you know, if you've been following me for a while, you make the connection between the two, the mahogany stylist and Sonetta Burwell. We do. You said that you've been sewing for half of forever. How did you get started? Well, actually, I've been sewing for about 48 years <laughs> since I was about 10, you know, so I'm telling my age now, okay? I was 10 years old when I showed an interest in sewing, and it's because I had all of these Barbie dolls. And, you know, we really couldn't afford to buy all the Barbie doll clothes. And so my mom, my both my grandmothers, they all sold. And so I started using the scraps from Project to make Barbie doll clothes. And then by the time I was in junior high, we had to take an introductory class to wood shops, sewing and cooking. And so that's all I needed to get started. I took the six week class. And then I started going early in the morning to work on an additional project. And so from there, I just took off running. Now, mind you, some of those first projects were a scream, (laughs) but I warmed with pride. And so that's how it all started. So since that time, I've sewn for people. I've sewn for my, of course, my family, but I have made very little money off of sewing. I feel like I need to give back something. So I try to share my gift with others. The only problem I've had with that is that sometimes people take your gift for granted. And so I had to kind of like rethink how I wanted to do that. But over the years, it's just been wonderful to have this particular skill because I can make whatever I want. I can make it fit. I can choose whatever fabric, I can mix and match things. So for 48 years, this is what I've been doing, you know, as far as building my wardrobe. And more recently, I want to say in the last 10 years, 
I would say about 90, 85% of my wardrobe is handmade. I believe that. And I'm seeing quite a lot of it too. It's all beautiful stuff. And you've really accomplished a lot in your sewing life. I have. I was selected in 2012. I won a Palmer Pledge contest with a a rendition of one of their patterns. And so that, that contest got me a free workshop in Portland. So I spent about five or six days there. I enjoyed the workshop immensely. And then I was ambassador on that same year for Sandra Betsina, Power Sewing. And as we discussed earlier, I'm a member of the Whole Couture Club of Chicago. I have served on the board. I've also been fashion show chair. And additionally, I've been kind of like an ambassador for Mood, the Mood Sewing Network. Unfortunately, this past June, I decided not to continue with that. So I've been an ambassador for them, I'm thinking roughly about six, seven years. So it was a good run. And now I'm doing periodic sewing projects for Minerva, Minerva Fabrics. As a matter of fact, I got two projects in the work right now for them. And I also have been featured on Style Makers Fabric a year before last. I was part of the fall rollout for their new fabrics. So yes, it has given me a lot of opportunities to meet different people. I go on a sewing retreat at the Carriage Corner in Pennsylvania, where several other sewers come. I've been to that retreat twice. I had planned to go this year, but because of Corona, I just decided I don't want to fly out. I don't want to take the risk, but any meet up, any occasion to sit down and chat with others of like minds is just wonderful. And the time is just timeless. You don't pay attention to time. Hours and hours can pass before you realize that you've spent like a half a day just talking about sewing. It has been an adventure and it has been a good time. It's great to see that the fabric retailers have approached you and that you've been able to work with their fabrics because each piece that you do has got so much thought behind it and your talent really shows. Thank you. Thank you. I do try. This might seem so anal or corny. I said goals. You know, I guess it's from my work background. Every year we have to set goals and objectives for work. You know, how do we see ourselves growing? What do we want to challenge ourselves with? So I apply those same principles to everything else in my life, including sewing. And so I try to set some goals to learn or practice a technique. Like for instance, I've been for the last two years, welt pockets, bound buttonholes, you know, making jackets. So I have like a laundry list of things that I want to accomplish each year. And of course, Maybe I don't reach all of those goals, but I still have that list. So that helps me kind of stay on track. So uh, I know it sounds kind of rigid or stiff, but it helps me to make those things my successes in my sewing. You know, I want it to be better at this or better at that. And repetition helps me. I don't know about other folks. It's like I have to do it over and over and over again until it becomes second nature to me. So I do put a lot of thought in it. And I don't know, I think that's just the best way because when I slip on something that I made, I want it to be beautiful. You know, I don't necessarily need people to 
fall all over me about it, but it makes me feel good to have something on that I've created and it fits well, it wears well, you know, I feel very comfortable in it and I look good. You know, I try to get things that make things that are appealing or flattering on my body frame. So yes, I do put a whole lot of thought in it because I want it to be just right. And it sets you up for the day or whatever the event is too, because you know that it fits well, yeah. you feel good in it, and it's a great way to start. Exactly. And having that laundry list of techniques to achieve is actually quite good. You're practicing when you're doing it over and over again. That's practice and practice makes yeah, I, perfect. I try to do that. And then, oh, I forgot to say one thing. I do teach sewing sometimes. I haven't been teaching it since Corona unfortunately, but I do touch bases with my sewing students. I don't have a whole lot. You know, I have some ladies from church, some cousins, not a whole lot of people, but I try to touch bases with them. And unfortunately, because of who I am, I make them set goals too as to what they want to achieve. You know, I, I pro approach it that way. There's certain things that I'm going to teach them just because you need to know some basic techniques. But then in that, I ask them, what are they interested in? And when I get their list of interests, then I can incorporate more things that they may need to know how to do in order to execute those things. And that is not to say that we have to follow this rigid standard in, say, for instance, Vogue sewing. But there are some fundamental things that you need to know in order to get started. At least that's the way I feel. And once you have those things, of course you can modify them. There's always more than one way to the museum. You know, you have to, you know, use your discretion and use what makes you feel comfortable. Use what you're comfortable with. And so I just try to provide those tools that are just basic standard things, fundamental tools that will get them to that point. And they really do appreciate it. One of my students, she's constantly sending me pictures of things she's working on. And then she gives me a list. I adjusted the darts. You taught me that. <laughs> I evaluated the waist. You taught me that. <laughs> you know? So, you know, it's just fun getting that feedback from someone that you're teaching you know, just some basic skills about sewing. You know, that's one thing that, that I think is important, especially as sewists, and especially if you're going to pay it forward. You know, you want to teach the right thing. You know, make sure your students are learning what they should learn in order to do things on their own. And they're coming to you for your skills yes. so that you can help develop their skills. And the fact that you've asked them, they've got their laundry list of things that they want to yes. achieve. So when they're picking projects, you can actually guide them to the projects that will help in their skill exactly. development. But I do have some basic things. We make a scarf initially, and then I have them to make an apron. And I'm really enforcing pressing because sewing on the sewing machine and pressing, they go together. You cannot separate them. And so I try to instill that very early. And then we make a pair of pajama pants and then we make a straight skirt. And then from there, you know, I'm asking them to give me some feedback on how they want to proceed. And then from there, I develop other things. Like when we do the skirt, 
I'm gonna teach them how to install a zipper three different ways because we're making a skirt. You gotta be able to get in it. The pajama pants, elastic waist. So they learn how to do casing. So they're, the things that I pick for them to do are very thought out, you know, in order for them to gain a certain technique or skill in sewing so they can use that in other projects. And what's the most advanced project that you've taught Well, so I far? call them my little church ladies. The little the church ladies, I mean, they wanted to go just over the top. And one of them wanted to make a line jacket. And she had only been coming to sewing class maybe a year, a year and a half. And she just said, I just need this challenge for myself. I want nice clothes. And I know you can help me get there. And so she didn't do any of her project work at home. Because a lot of times I would tell them, take this home and practice it. She's like, no, I need to do it all with you. So you can help me step by step. And that was like one of the most, I would say, challenging projects to do with a student that had only been sewing for a short period of time. And she She achieved the jacket? She did. We finished the jacket and then she made the straight skirt that she had made four or five times already. And so she was off and running. She she kept buying all this suiting. She was like, okay, we're gonna make, we're gonna make jackets and, and skirts and pants. And of course, with some things, uh, like when we were bagging the lining, she needed a lot of help with that. And I was able to do that for her. It, it was no problem. But she understood the fundamentals. I said, each time we go through this process, you'll get more and more and more of it. And so I think in the end, I think she ended up making maybe a four or five jacket. So it, it was a good run. And, and she did well because she wanted to practice it and practice it until she got it. And I'm like, okay, very good, very good. So that was a challenge for me to try to help her through that process. You really have paid it forward. <laughs> yes, I, I try to. I try to continue to do that because that's important to me too, to share with others. And you're sharing videos now on Instagram, I've noticed. Yes, I'm trying to. um, I'm just thinking back to when I first started blogging. I mean, compared to now, the formats and the layouts of blogs have changed tremendously. And there has been a evolution of people that sew on many different platforms. People are doing a lot of YouTubes podcasts. They're doing mini tutorials. They're teaching online. So, you know, there has been an evolution. And so I'm trying to keep up a little bit (laughs) with how things are going. Personally, even though I've done training in person in my previous profession and online, my preference is to do in person, in person, because The student can more freely, in my opinion, ask questions and you're able to assess their level of understanding better to me. Of course, on a video, they can ask questions, but it's nothing like that hands-on, that person being in the same room with you. So my preference is to be in person. But yes, I've been doing a few videos. I've been trying to talk about fabrics, talk about my projects 
not necessarily having my face there, but having the project before you. So you get an idea as to what I'm talking about. So I think it's going okay, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> it was great to see that you were showcasing recently a blouse that had been in the to-do or the work in progress yeah. basket and you finally finished it and it was beautiful and it's still it's still a classic that you can wear exactly. now. Exactly. For the most part, I'm a classic sewer. I like classic lines. I like things that transcend time. I like fabric of, of course, everybody does, of great quality because I'm going to put some time in it. So I don't want to get some $2 fabric and put a whole lot of time in it. And then it just like disintegrates in the washer at the cleaners. And so that particular blouse, the fabric was very difficult to work with. And I'm thinking in hindsight that maybe that was the reason why I was stalling so. And I've sewn chiffon and Georgette, but I don't know, maybe silk chiffon is <laughs> intimidating, but it was a bit of a challenge in the end. I had to recut the facing, the placket down the front, because as you know, with that kind of fabric, it's very slippery when you cut it. And so I ended up, the piece that I had left, I block fused the interfacing to it first. And then I cut the pieces out to keep control of how it was cut because some of the cutting lines were going off because the fabric was so slippery. And so I was able to finish it up, but I spent so many hours on it because I wanted it to be just right. And in the end, if I could say so myself, I was very, very pleased with how it turned out. And as a matter of fact, I'm getting ready to write my review and post it on my blog. I think somebody, Bonnie, she asked me on Facebook, you really have more than 12 UFOs? And I'm like, yeah. I wanted to say, don't you? Because <laughs> I'm sure we all do have some UFOs to complete. But this one, I think, was the oldest one in the bin. I really do. I think this was the oldest one. And it fell in line with the capsule wardrobing that I'm doing. Actually, it's like a continuation. I started off with green and now I'm moving into blues and red. And then I'm going to move into another group of colors. So I'm just using my color placket fan to determine what colors I'm going to include and how I'm going to incorporate these things into my wardrobe. So that's been kind of fun too, just to sit down and try to plot out what I'm going to do next based on this color fan. You've got your laundry list of techniques. Yeah. You've got your capsule wardrobes yeah. that you plan. And as you said, the planning and the goals stem from what your work life was all about, having yearly goals, etc. So it's really great that you were able to take those thought processes and apply them to your sewing projects. Yeah. It's helpful to me. My daughter periodically reminds me, she's like, you know, you work best from lists. Uh, why don't you go ahead and make your list and you'll be okay? Because I think I was frustrated over something. It's like, I keep saying I'm going to do this and I'm not going to do it. She's like, make your list. That's, that's what you do. And I'm like, thanks a lot, kiddo. <laughs> but yeah, that does help keep me on track, having a list, having a plan. And this might not be something that works for everyone else. But it works for me. Like I said, uh, I worked at the university for 31 and a half years. And every year we had to do this. So, you know, 
part of my life. That's right. right. Just yeah, as sewing I'm just is. Using it for sewing now. Your sewing habits, your sewing skills, your sewing enthusiasm is something that you know you share with everybody. And now you're part of the Sew Over Fifty community. So how is that? How has that impacted? Well, on for you? one, it is definitely a source of inspiration and motivation. What it has also done for me exposed me to a whole different group of sewists that I didn't see before. It seems to be thousands and thousands of folks out there who do what we do. And now that so over 50 has been in operations for the last few years, I'm seeing that a huge majority of the sewers are those ladies or some gentlemen that are over 50. It's just that they haven't had the exposure or notoriety of some of the younger sewers. So for me, that is refreshing to know that there's a group like me out there. And then, of course, like I said, the inspiration. This particular group is, I guess, they learn how to sew from a time when I learned how to sew, where we were using particular standards or books or guidelines to help us learn different processes and techniques. And it's just wonderful to see them document how to do a particular thing. Yes, I have my sewing books, my Vogue sewing books and my other sewing books, but it is just wonderful to see someone post that. This is how I did this. This is how I did that. And they take you through that entire process. It's very methodical and systematic that they do it. And so it's easy to learn that way than watching you know, somebody kind of rushed through it and I'm one for measuring, you know, it's like, well, how much was that? Well, how close did they get to the, the end of it? You know, I, I need to see that in order for me to get the full grasp of what's being shared. And so that is basically three things, the inspiration and motivation, and to know that there are folks out there like me who were taught to sew similar to what I've learned and to learn something from them. That is just priceless. You know, when you have a, a seasoned tailor, for instance, because there's some folks out there doing it for yes. their business and you don't see their face on Instagram posts all the time. You see what they're producing. And so that's wonderful in a sense that we get to see that. Yeah, we get to see that. And as you said, Someone might say, oh, I did an FBA. And you're sitting there going, what's an FBA? And show me how to do, how do you do a full bus adjustment? And da, da, da. And there are people in the Save 50 community who will walk you through that process. Exactly. And that's great for learning. Yes, it is. So motivation, inspiration, knowing that there are people out there like me and an opportunity to learn something. And as I said before, a lot of times, you know, there's more than one way to do things. It's great when you can have a variety of techniques shown to you in a place that's free. You know, you don't have to go to a class or anything. This this is free. So if you can gain anything from it, that's a plus. So essentially, we're all 
you know, within the Sober 50 community, we're all paying it forward by providing those little mini, I suppose you could call them tutorials, so, you know, the explanation of the techniques that they're using. So, yes. yeah, you're right. It's been great. Can you give our listeners a little bit more detail about the Chicago I Hulk can. Couture Club? The Hulk Couture Club of Chicago is about 53 years old. I joined, I think, in 2009. One of the members was actually following my blog, and she sent me an email, Martha Moser. She sent me an email and invited me to a meeting. And then from that day on, I was hooked. <laughs> and so, you know, it's a non-for-profit organization. When coronavirus is not in effect, we meet once a month, the first Saturday of every month, except for in the summer, July and August. We have two luncheons per year at the end of the year in June and at Christmas time. And then in the spring, we have a fashion show. And a fashion show is an opportunity for you to show off the things that you've made all year long. And at those meetings, we've had all different kinds of folks in the sewing world to come out and give us a presentation. We've had Kenneth King, Cynthia Johnson, Peach from Project Runway. I mean, it's just been a plethora of people to come by and encourage us even more to go on with our sewing. And then we also have challenges. You know, it's like take this striped fabric and make something with it and then have it done by this date. And then we all do a show and share every single month at the meeting. So it's a wonderful group of people to come together. And believe it or not, we have physicists, lawyers, doctors, all kinds of folks that love to sew. Pilots, Rhonda is a pilot. So, you know, it is just fantastic that we can all come together and talk about the same hobby or the same creativity that we share. So it's a great club. And if anyone's in the Chicagoland area, I would encourage you to join. Right now it's a little tough because I think they're doing Zoom instead of our meet in person. But visit the website, Hoka Tour Club of Chicago. You can just Google it and you'll see excerpts from our previous fashion shows. You will learn all about what the club is about on that website. And you can even join, I think they quote the membership there. And then there's a link where you can use your PayPal or whatever to pay for your membership fees, which is only $35. That's a steal. I mean, that's cheaper than some of the other organizations. So great little club. And as I said, if you're in the Chicagoland area, come on out once we're back to normal and just enjoy, just enjoy the group. And I'll have links to the club on the podcast blog post for this podcast. Thank you for talking us through what you all do, because every so often when I could see some photos on your blog, I just thought, wouldn't it be great to actually be there and see what everyone's done at the, at the fashion show? That would have been the highlight of the year for me. If and we it is there. so funny that some of the ladies in the club are like older and some of the ladies in the club are my age who have mothers or family and they live for the fashion show. It's like, they want a good meal and a show. <laughs> and it's just a wonderful time. It usually happens the first week in May and we have pretty decent weather and it is, it's great. 
it's great to see all the people come together and just have a good time. Wonderful. Such a special club it to is, be part it of. Is. So I got lucky. I didn't know it existed. <laughs> Sonetta, thank you so much for sharing your sewing journey with us on Sober 50 Thursday and also for talking us through the Hawk Couture Club of Chicago. I've seen some of the photos that you put up and I know that people who are interested will go and actually find it. Again, thank you so much. And it's been great having you on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime, anytime. The pleasure has definitely been all mine. Thank you for thinking of me. It has been an honor. And anytime you want to chat about sewing, give me a holler. (laughs) I will. Thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome. Take care now. Have a lovely day, listeners. This episode of Sew Organized Style Podcast for Sober 50 was produced by me, Maria Theoharis, with permission of Sonetta, sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to Sew Organized Style Podcast, spelt with an S, not a Z, on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Stitcher, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and all good podcast distributors. Make sure you listen to the previous Sew Over 50 podcast and you'll hear from great people from the Sew Over 50 community on Instagram. Post any questions or suggestions you have on our podcast website at seworganisedstylepodcast.com, on our Instagram Sew Organised Style account or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>